0: Please remain standing as we read God's Word. I'm going to read from Mark chapter 5 verse 21 to verse 34. This is what the Bible says this evening. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet Yet, instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering He said to her, daughter, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Amen. Feel free to be seated. Amen. And one last time, let's put our hands together for Pastor Junior. <laughs>
1: I'm gonna pay him extra tonight, you know, don't worry. (laughs) Well, it's a joy to be back with you this evening. I was praying and thinking of you last night, praise the Lord. I was in a big auditorium like this and while sitting there watching, you know, daughter cross over the platform to receive a diploma and all of that, I was thinking, this could make a good church. (laughs) I'm a true preacher, (laughs) Rose knocks me, you know, but. I thank God for his blessings, and in a Rosewood family, you are our family, and it's always a joy to be here, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity to be just an instrument of God's use. Let's give God the glory, and give God the praise, it's not me, it's the Lord. Remember that always, and I give him all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Where would I be but for the grace of God? And where would you be but for the grace of God this evening? And when you think about it, you realize indeed, we are blessed because there's no better place to be than in the presence of Jesus. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. And I trust that this week, you know, God has truly revived your hearts, have stirred you up to be mindful of what you need to be doing as a child of God, that has awakened and reanimated, as I said, indeed your lives has given you the spirit of reset, and that is so important. And you know, final night, you're a little tense, you're a little, sometimes you wonder, okay, what's happening? Well, I'm going to help us relax. I have a good one for you tonight. (laughs) Since there's so many of us black people in here, you'll identify with this. But it is not a racist um, joke or anything like that. The angel Gabriel came to the Lord and said, I have to talk to you. I have some black folks up here in heaven who are causing some problems. They are swinging on the pearly gates, my horn is missing, barbecue sauce is all over their robes, spear ribs, pig feet, bones are all over the streets of gold. Some folks are walking around with one wing. They have had, they have been late taking their turn and keeping the stairway to heaven clean. There are watermelon seeds all over the clouds. Some of them aren't even wearing their halos. They say it is messing up their hair. <laughs> the Lord said, I made them special as I did you, my angel. Heaven is a home to all my children. If you really want to know about problems, let's call Satan. <laughs> so the devil answered the phone and immediately said, Hello. Dang, hold on. The devil returned to the phone and said, Hello, Lord. What can I do for you? The Lord replied, Tell me what kind of problems you are having down there. The devil said, Wait one minute and put the Lord on hold again. After five minutes, he returned to the phone and said, Okay, I'm back. What was the question? The Lord said, What kind of problems are you having down there? The devil said, Hmm, man... I don't believe. Hold on, Lord, hold on. This time the devil was gone for 15 more minutes. The devil returned and said, I'm sorry, Lord. I can't talk right now. These black folks down here put the fire out, and they're trying to install air condition. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, our kind of people will do anything. <laughs> Uh, praise the Lord, amen, amen, I praise God. Tonight is a special night. It's a night where we come saying, God, this is not the end. This is where the journey begins. This is where we start. Because as we seek to reset, we have to understand when we become reset, we are being reset for a purpose. We are being reset for the future. We are being reset for tomorrow. We started these services talking about Jesus, reset my faith. We were challenged to understand that God desires radical faith. That God desires you and I to live faith-fueled lives. The second service we talk about Jesus, reset my plans. We acknowledge that one of the struggles we have as human beings is to surrender. It's to surrender. To go all in for God that's always a big problem we are willing to go here where it's comfortable we are willing to meet God halfway here once it doesn't take too much for us but when it comes to sacrifice and surrender we say God that's another thing but yet Jesus we ask you to reset our plans so important then of course and very important Jesus has to reset our purity he has to reset our lives where we understand that God is holy and he calls us unto holiness and we have to allow God to take out the garbage out of our lives that's so important because garbage always accumulates I know we all know that there are some people who have problems with garbage they're afraid to touch it so they just let it build up around them have you ever seen that but God wants to take out the garbage and we realize if we are to live victorious Christian lives, we have to allow God to take out the garbage. That is so important. Then we ask God to reset our relationships. Moses declared, Unless your presence goes with me, I do not take us up from this place. It's like saying we have come to church tonight to encounter God, to experience God. So God, unless your presence is here tonight, we will not leave this place. Because what else will distinguish us as the children of God, as the people of God? The world today doesn't need a people who looks and talks and dress and behaves like them. The world today needs people who will make a difference, who will be distinctively Christian. And that is so important. And we have to understand that because too many times we don't realize that. And I know Pastor Lisa talked about Jesus resetting my my mind. That's that's great. And I know you were blessed last night. She's a good, awesome speaker too. Praise the Lord. Very important. But also... Tonight, as we climax, Pastor Nick had called me and I didn't want to say anything then. But really, I said, You know, I want to focus on Jesus' authority to heal. But that relates to Jesus resetting our self image. You see? You see, we don't think about that. But as believers, we have to ask God to reset our self image. And that self-image comes sometime in believing God created us for who we are as we are. And God has a plan and purpose for our lives. And God is the God who has the authority a sovereign Lord to deliver, to heal, to set free the captives, to mend the brokenhearted, and to proclaim liberty in the presence of the Lord. And it's so important to do that. And so tonight, I want to tie in our first reset. Jesus, reset my faith with Jesus, reset my self-image. And how important that is. The scripture you heard that was read wonderfully by Pastor Yanni, more and more as he speaks, you can understand him more and more, you know. He has no accent anymore, you know. <laughs> he just seems to be coming on. He's getting more refined, you know, he dresses and stuff, and, you know. <laughs> But well, that passage of scripture is one that we all know and have read and many times, I'm sure. I've reached many messages about the woman who suffered for 12 long years. But to think about the context, our Lord Jesus was on his way to Jairus' house to perform a miracle of mercy upon Jairus' daughter, who was at the point of death, and no doubt, word had gotten around in a hurry about what he had done in Galilee, in Capernaum, and in Gadara. Therefore, Jairus ran to the master, fell down at his feet, and begged him to come to his house and heal his daughter. We never heard of Jairus before this. We do not know if Jairus was really a Jew or a Gentile. But the reality is he, like many of us, heard something good was happening. And I don't know about you, but when something good is happening, I want to be in the mix. I want to experience it, you know. I want to know it is good. And we see many slogans like that. But the truth is, as they went along, the crowds began to gather. And you can imagine the commotion. And the Bible tells us here, when Jesus was passed over again by ship onto the other side, much people gathered onto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue. So that's what we know of him. He was one of the rulers. But whether he was a believing Jew is the question. Whether he was just a Roman soldier was a question. Because this is interesting. Because at that time, the Pharisees and the scribes didn't want to have nothing yet to do with Jesus. Because, of course, he was up even the cart. He was destroying the economy. He was creating havoc. But yet this is a rule of the synagogue, it says. Who comes and he decides, I don't care what anybody says, my child is important. I don't care what people think, I need to go for the sake of my child. Many of us will sacrifice a lot for the sake of our children. You know, I love last night, the MC was one of the teachers at, at South Secondary School and he, he highlighted some of the kids who had great acclaim, but he said to them, you know, you think you achieved this award? It's not you, it's me. I was the guidance counselor. I was the one who told you what to do and how to do it. So I should take, you know, all the accolades for this. And you know, I thought of that, and sometimes we don't realize this. But really, my friends, I always say all of us are just instruments of God's use. Amen. That we realize God deserves all the accolades and praise. He deserves that so much. And just like we see here at this ruler of the synagogue, Jairus by name, who fell at Jesus' feet and besought him greatly to come and heal and touch his daughter. How did he know? Did he see Jesus heal before? We have no record of that. He may have heard the stories, but it demonstrates something that is so necessary in the kingdom of God. For you and I have been told over and over again that we need to learn to walk by faith and live by faith. But sometimes we don't. We want to see the evidence before we believe. We want to be able to say, okay, yes, well, you show me the goods and I'm okay. But how many of us truly trust God when we don't understand Him? How many of us truly trust God when we cannot see or explain when the doctor calls us in and says, I'm sorry, you are a fourth stage cancer? Many of us at times in our humanity will question and complain against God. But I do believe that as a child of faith, As I'm walking with God, I have to understand God knows all. He is all-knowing. He's ever-present, and He's all-powerful. And He has the authority in every area of this world because He created this universe. And God is saying, hey, I am the same God of yesterday, today, and forevermore. You think I did good things in the past? Well, wait, I'm going to do greater things even to come. Because why? He says, in the last days, I will pour my spirit upon all flesh. We need to learn that. That God is faithful to his word. And God will do what he has promised to do. And we can stand on the promises of God and not sit in the premises. Too many times we have Christians who know how to sit, but they don't know how to stand, brothers and sisters. They don't understand what it means to take hold of the authority of God Amen. to believe what God has given to us and I, I love some cliche phrases and I tell people yes you have as much of God as you choose to have but I say you will never really receive until you learn to believe Amen. because how can you receive if you don't believe you and I have to understand this and so we know this story Jesus is going along the commotion is all there The crowds are following him. And then the Bible tells us here about this woman. Oh, yes. If it's any of some of the miraculous stories in the scriptures and the faith stories, this is one of the most profound ones. It is very profound for certain reasons, and I'll share that with you this evening. Because of the fact the Bible tells us that she believed that Jesus of Nazareth was indeed the Christ, the Son of God. And she said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I am sure he would make me whole. She didn't wonder, I believe. Because you have to understand the situation. Think about it. Because as soon as she touched him, the Lord Jesus stopped dead in his tracks. He felt virtue, power, and efficacy go out of him to say, Therefore, he turned around and said, who touched me? Who touched me? And the disciples, (laughs) I love to think about the disciples. But you know, we are no better than them. We are just like them, you know. I mean, the difference is they had Jesus walking with them in person. And they always questioned Jesus, you know. Who touched me? And the disciples, and I wonder if Peter, you know, and Peter's usual. He's the spokesman. He must, he went up to Jesus, turned around and said, Jesus, you're kidding? You know how much people are around you? Everybody's touching you. What kind of question is that Jesus? You're saying, who touched me? You know? Then the master said, somebody touched me. I want you to start thinking from now as I continue. When was the last time you touched Jesus. I want you to think about that phrase as we continue, continue through this message. When was the last time you touched Jesus? And Jesus went with him, and much people followed, as the scripture tells us. And that woman with 12, young, 12 years suffering, she came. A woman, according to verse 29, that says, and straight away the founting of her blood was dried up, And she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned about in the press and said, who touched me or who touched my clothes? See, there are different variations of the scripture. And of course, in the King James, it says, and his disciples said unto him, thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and says thou, who touched me? They didn't say that kindly, I would have think. You know? They wouldn't. And as he looked around about what had happened to see who had done this thing. The woman fearing and trembling. Let's pause. Do you fear God? Have you ever thought of what it might mean to be in the presence of the almighty God? that your knees begin to shake, that your hands begin to tremble? Has God ever revealed himself to you in such a way that you have experienced manifestations of total self-abandonment? You know, in the old days in the early church, they used to have what was called slaying in the spirit. Now, people would think, oh, does Nazarenes believe in that? Does Nazarene do that? That happened in Nazarene churches. As a matter of fact, that was a glory down experience. Where the glory of God came down, whether it was in the old bands, whether it was that thing, I remember when I got saved, I, I remember I'd go to camp, meet in some Caribbean, and I would be going through the Caribbean, and when I get to Barbados especially, and all Bajans, I'm a bomb Bajan. I don't want to fight, but what comes the occasion, man, I'll die for my rights. You know, I could talk like a Bajan too. But you know, I remember seeing some elderly ladies with a nice broad hat and a white hanky. And when God started to bless, you see the knees, oh, hallelujah! You know? They weren't afraid to express what God was doing, they experienced the awe, the presence of God. And you and I today have lost that. Our churches today have become sometimes so traditional, so structured, that there's no room for the Spirit to come down. And we need to be mindful, my friends, that if we are to live victoriously in this day and age, we need the Holy Spirit. We need to be a people led by the Spirit. We need to be on fire. We need to understand that. And so the proposition is to think about it. This poor woman was immediately healed of her plague when she touched the Lord Jesus. So sinners are freed from the curse of the law and the guilt of sin as soon as they touch Jesus. That's the kind of power we are talking about. And I crave that. Whether when I'm in the prison or when I'm counseling those in addiction. You know, I crave that God could come and touch and heal somebody right here and then. Because I know it is possible. I know that God is real. And so as we look at these verses this evening. And consider the events recorded here by divine inspiration. I want you to note the movement of this passage. First of all, there's the movement from death to life. A movement from death to life. And I am saying if revival has to come, we have to be willing to move from death to life. We no longer can stay as we are, but we have to be awakened. We have to be reanimated in our spirituality. We have to realize, my friends, that we are caught up in an age of materialism and so much consumerism and so much busyness that who is suffering our time for God? And more and more, it's not like long ago where people flocked to the church. And we look at people in other places of the world. In Haiti, they don't have much, but they are full of God. In Cuba, when I go to Cuba, I always get blessed. I always get blessed because here are people who don't have nothing. They don't have much. Some of them are living on dirt floor. I walked in one church house because the house and the church is the same. They put the, the, the kind of broken benches, and some of you have been to Cuba. I've seen that. They put it out. After service, they clear it away, and that's where they sleep. Some of them on a little sponge. used to go on. I went to one church, San Felipe, and I looked, and I, you seen like, I was thinking the light was coming from heaven. There was so much holes up there, you know? And I wonder what happens when rain falls. But when they start to worship, they don't say, hey, Pastor Junior, come on, hurry up, hurry up. Finish, finish what they have to say now, I have to go my way. They don't have to check the clock. They can stand for three hours standing Outside, you know, Gerald and Esther would tell you, we have seen that. People would stand outside the church in these small buildings and to worship God, to receive the presence of God. And that is what has happened to the church in Cuba. They have moved, my friends, from death to life. They understand the significance. The second thing we're going to see is that movement from unclean to clean, which is necessary. And then a movement from isolation to community. It's all about self-image. It's the resetting of the image of the church. You and I are the church. It is not this building that makes Rosewood what it is. What makes Rosewood Rosewood is you, my people. We need to understand that. And we note here as this woman. You see, my friends, there's no greater evidence of the total depravity of all human beings, by nature than the fact that we all incur disease, we get sick, and ultimately we have physical death. That's how it is. And you need to understand this. I just have to remind some people, God didn't create us to spend eternity here. He created us to spend eternity with him. All right? That's what he said. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, right? For God gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. So I understand that, that yes. So you see, I don't fear that. And that's why maybe I love to fly so much. I don't care. I always think when God is ready for me, He's going to take me. So why am I going to keep worrying about that? I live my life to please God. I always say I have one life to live and soon it will be passed. But that which is done for Christ, that will last. And we understand understand that we are not here to live forever. But we need to realize that even in physical death, we move from death to life. It's just a transition, a passport, a terminus. Put it that way. You see, all sickness, all disease and death came into this world because of a result of sin. That was the truth. When God created Adam and Eve, he created them for fellowship. You know, we realize that. And look at history. Look through the Bible. Did you notice in those days how long people would live? Right? But as sin increased in the world, what happened? Death increased. And this is what has happened. And we understand that these things come. The sentence of death has been upon us all. All because of sin. But this woman's sickness was a specific example for us to understand something. I don't think you could say the woman had this disease because she did something wrong. Because that's a wrong theology. You see? So many times I remember I could never forget when our first child was born. In five days, we had to rush her back to the hospital. Thank God my mother was a nurse and my mother recognized that and took her immediately and we rushed in and she was turning blue. She was in cardiac arrest. And we had this experience where, indeed, was a journey. That's the reason we are here in North America. When she was just, you know, two weeks old, well, even not even two weeks old, we went to Jamaica first from Trinidad where there was a, cardiolo- a pediatric cardiologist who would be able to at least help her. Trinidad had all the equipment in Mount Hope, the Trinidadians know what I'm talking about. They spent all these mega billions to build one of the largest medical complex in the Western Hemisphere, but they didn't have the personnel. That was the problem. And we had to go to Jamaica, where there was a program called Heart to Heart. We got to Jamaica, there another child was brought up with our daughter. And praying, God, give the surgery. The church was praying. B.W. B- B- in those days gave us free tickets, sent us up to Jamaica with his child, and we were thanking God. And here we were going through this journey. Boom, we got there the next day, you know, thank God for your church family. I just tell people the church is not just supposed to be a, a building with people, we are family, Pastor Nick. We are family. We have to learn to love one another and care for one another. I went to Jamaica and because I was a Nazarene, there were other Nazarenes there. One opened their house to me, had a place to stay. They gave me a car to drive back and forth to Mona Hospital there as well because we have family. Thank God for that. I always, that's why I always reach out to people because I know what has done for me and I was grateful. And next morning I'm going there, I see Rose when I walk in that hall to the room Thinking yes, Janelle was gonna Rochelle sorry, we'll have the surgery. Right there and then I see my wife crying. I say, what's wrong? What happened? Well, they can't do the surgery. So I mean they can't do the surgery. And let me tell you something, all of us are human. And we need to learn that. I got angry with God right there and then as a young preacher. I just started a ministry. When I found out the circumstances that the lab malfunctioned. They couldn't do anything. And I said to the doctor, well, no problem. We'll wait. We don't have nowhere to go. They said the last time this happened, it took three months before we got back the necessary equipment. I said, my daughter doesn't have three months. They just were able to save her life to bear. I always thank God. And this story is so amazing how God works people. I could talk about this all night. Because when we took her in to the hospital for St. Trinidad, my mother was carrying her. I was carrying the oxygen tank. And we had to go up four steps of flight, got up there, there was no oxygen in the tank. And then the doctor, one doctor was there, sat there for two hours to find that vein in an incubator. Never remember that. And to tell you, to make this very short, years later we meet this doctor here in Canada on a way through. And you know what she tells us? She's become a Christian now. And she said what stayed with her was when our daughter was so ill, She saw us praying at that incubator. And when she looked at us and saw it, and then I said to her, God is in control. I believe my God is able. She said that stayed with her through her journey until she came to faith in Jesus Christ. You never know how God uses circumstances and situations. Because right then and then, after all of that happened, and I got angry with God in that room and everyone, I said, Why, God, how could you do this? And especially when I heard that the other child had the surgery, and I didn't even know if they were Christians or believers. I said, Why, God? And I walked down there so angry. How could you do this to us? Yeah, we're making a sacrifice you to you, to serve you, and all of that. And I'd say, Thank God, He's a merciful and gracious God. <laughs> you know, thank God. See, you and I, my friends, we don't have foresight and hindsight. We don't. And that's the reality of it. Because I couldn't know what God was doing. Finally, I calmed down, came back in, and the doctor said we we're making some calls. We ended up in North Shore University Hospital in New York, in Long Island. When she was one month old, they did a life-saving surgery, surgery. And we praised God for that. And that was the journey to start. By that time... The child they did that surgery on passed away. I said, Lord, forgive me. I'm so sorry. I had to repent to God and ask God's forgiveness in my own life back then for my lack of faith, for my personal selfish anger that sometimes we all can experience in you, and not realizing God had a plan and purpose. Because that surgery only saved her life at that time. Four years later, we were back there again, they did another procedure. She has had so many surgeries and then thank God, here in 97 in kids, they did an eight hour surgery that totally corrected the problems with her heart and her, her aorta and all of that. And she went into the Canadian Reserve and everything, three MRIs and she's healthy today, hallelujah, glory to God, you know. See, that's how God works. You and I have to learn to trust God when we don't understand him. You and I have to learn that God has a plan and purpose. And we must not try to get ahead of God. This woman didn't. This woman, my friends, she knew what she was experiencing. Her sickness was an unceasing issue of blood and was sometimes made, that probably made her ceremonially unclean. So it was all by nature. And we are plagued with this in our lives today. We see all of this. And sometimes this has caused many people to wonder. And people have said to me as a pastor, as a chaplain, why did God allow this to happen to me? Or why did God do this in my life? But I say to them, hold on, God is good all the time. And you need to understand, because of free will, God allowed pain, suffering, sin, choice, as long, along with goodness and mercy and grace. And I said, you need to understand this. It's not that God says, okay, you know, today I'm going to zap Pastor Lucas. That's not how God works. That's how the devil tries to work. And you need to realize that the devil is like a roaring lion. He is seeking to devour you and I. But praise God, we know Jesus paid it all. We know that Jesus, indeed, has given us the victory. And we have life in Christ, hallelujah, because he has come to give us life and give us life to the full. She had an issue of blood for 12 years. Do you know what that means? She was like an outcast. She was like an outcast to think about it. Back then, it would have been worse. Women didn't have any kind of status in society back then. To think about that. And uncleanness, according to Leviticus, 1525, was a terrible thing. Whenever a woman has a discharge of blood for many days at a time other than her monthly period, or has a discharge that continues beyond her period, she will be unclean as long as she has the discharge, just as in the days of her period. That's what the scripture says. That's a bad stigma terrible, a disabling sickness. The poor soul had suffered many things of many physicians as well. To think about it, she was socially exhausted, an outcast, marginalized. She was physically exhausted. But to think about it, even financially, some of us have been there. She had been to every doctor in town, I believe, including the quacks, because you do have some indeed these days, you know. She might have done like maybe back then they might have had some herbalists, or they might have had, you know, special faith healers and all this kind of stuff. She might have tried it. I believe this woman probably had tried everything because that's why the Bible tells us she was exhausted. Think about it. Because know that she had been to many physicians. But then the scripture also says that she spent all that she had. And yet she was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. My friends, what I learned from this is that religion without Christ will never help us. We need to understand this. It will only put us in a worse condition. We need to know that. So she had to move from death to life. But then secondly, she had to move from isolation to community. It was all about her self-image too. And we note in verses 24 to 27 what went on there. And we need to ask ourselves this. When she heard of Jesus, came in the press and touched his garment, what, what did she think? You see, people profess faith in Christ for many reasons. They claim to follow him for many reasons. People come to church for a lot of reasons. Some people come to church because of curiosity want to see what's happening. Some for excitement. Some for fear of judgment. I remember when I got saved, we used to be, you know, open-air preachers, we call them. They would send you out to the Bible college, and you had to go on the street corner and preach. And I can remember to this day some of my sermons. One of my favorite w- one was, you know, <laughs> I always say, the soul that sinned, it shall surely die. Surely your sins will find you out. So repent, you know? I told people, I think when I got saved, I got saved out of judgment, fear. I don't want to go to hell. You know, but that's not my relationship with God today. I honor God, I fear God with honor and respect. But I am serving God because I love God. And I know He loves me. And I understand that. Some people may even come to church because of social pressure. The crowds of people thronged our Lord, but only one person gained benefit. Do you realize that? Only one person came from behind and touched him. Only one person in this great crowd needed him? We wonder. In this great crowd tonight, how many of us need Jesus? We wonder. Only one person believed that the Lord Jesus could actually cure their lives. She believed that he could cure her of the plague. And believing, she touched him. I wonder, is there anyone here tonight who needs the Son of God? Is there anyone here who believes enough in him? Is there anyone here tonight who will come to him and touch him? I love that old invitation hymn. Reach out and touch the Lord as he passes by. You'll find that he's not too busy to hear your heart's cry. He's passing by this moment. Your needs to supply. Reach out and touch the Lord as he goes by. Are you reaching out and touch the Lord? Do you know God is speaking, or are you like this individual? The man whispered, God, speak to me. And a meadowlark sang, but the man did not hear. So the man yelled, God, speak to me. And the thunder and lightning rolled across the sky, but the man did not listen. The man looked around and said, God, let me see you. And a star shined brightly, but the man did not see. And the man shouted, God, show me a miracle. And a life was born, but the man did not notice. So the man cried out in despair, touch me, God, touch me, God, and let me know you are here. Whereupon God reached down and touched the man. But the man brushed the butterfly away and walked on. When I read this, I found this to be a great reminder that God is always around us in the little and simple things that we take for granted. Even in our electronic age. Yes, and young people, all you techies, listen to this one. So I would like you to add one more to this. The man cried, God, I need your help. An email and text arrived, reaching out with good news and encouragement. But the man deleted it and continued crying. (laughs) See, my friends, many of us may not realize it, that we may have a misconception of God. And I say to you tonight, don't miss out on a blessing because it isn't packaged in the way that you expect. Realize that. And then finally this evening, movement from unclean to clean. We see the movement from death to life, the movement from isolation to community, because now her self-image is reset. She has been touched. She, fear and trembling, came and identified that she touched Jesus. She was not ashamed. She wasn't going to care what people said. Because the scripture tells us that when she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press being and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And he said to her, the great news, daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. You see, there are several things here which we ought to, that ought to catch our attention. Because many people who have read this passage, and even tonight as we have read this, we might miss the most important aspects of this passage. Many people put the emphasis upon the woman. Inspiration puts the emphasis on the woman only as the recipient of mercy and the benefactor of grace. Okay? That's obvious. But in so far as the act of mercy and the work of grace is concerned, the emphasis must be placed on Jesus. And Jesus has authority to heal whenever he chooses. In any form or fashion, in ways you and I don't expect, and even we don't understand. That's the reality of it. This woman was made whole in exactly the same way every sinner saved by the grace of God is made whole. She was made whole by a work of the Almighty God. And you and I are made whole when we come to Jesus by the work of the Almighty God. For we are saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Because it is the gift of God. And we need to understand that and always remember. Her sickness was not an accident, but a work of God for her soul to bring her to Christ. But also, and I add this, was also a lesson for the disciples. Just like when Jesus fed multitudes with five loaves and two fishes, do you notice when they came to Jesus and said, send the crowds away. It's getting late. We don't have no food to feed them. You know, there are a lot of bread Christians down there. Send them away. And Jesus does what? He looks at them and he says, you, hello, you, you, you. Give them something to eat. And they must be saying, he have to be a wacko, you know? What wrong with me? Even us, you know, we have no food. What, what, what do you think it is?" And we know the story: five loaves and two fish. I always like the story, you know. We, we see the translation. It could be a little boy, but the poor boy doesn't get the credit. The disciples get the five loaves and two fish, and says, "Lord, look, we have five loaves and two fish. As if as they're doing." But Jesus always allows things to happen in our lives to help us to learn, to help us to grow, to help us to be better instead of being bitter, to help us to understand it is not about you and I, but it's about the Lord Almighty God. Hallelujah. And when we understand that, we will see that Lord revealing himself. We would see that glory coming down to make the crooked straight, to mend the brokenhearted, to set the captive free. We would see these things happening. And we need to understand this, my friends. That which was the destruction and death of others was for her the instrument of mercy. Providence brought the chosen sinner and the appointed Savior together at the time of love. Reckless love. Tonight, you are not here by chance. It is all in God's divine plan. So, notice as I wrap this up, she came to faith in Christ. She came to Christ in faith as well. When she heard of Jesus, not before, not before. But at a a appointed time. You see, now can be your time tonight. We never know when is our divine moment until we come to God. No one is ever saved apart from the hearing of Christ, the hearing of the gospel. God never bypasses the appointed means of grace. The grace of God is not verbally mentioned in this text, but it is written all over it. Grace had chosen a certain woman. Grace caused Jesus to pass her way. Grace caused her to hear about him. And grace gave her faith and wrought faith in her. And we need to understand this. The woman's faith, like all true faith, was the gift of God. Yet it was still her faith as well. Where is your faith tonight? Jesus reset my faith. Jesus reset my self-image. She chose to believe the Son of God. She was made willing in the day of his power. But she was willing. She was caused to come by the sweet constraints of grace. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. You see, it's all about grace tonight. When you think about it, the arm of God's omnipotent, almighty, irresistible power brought this thing to pass exactly according to his everlasting purpose of love and grace towards this dearest, needed daughter. The virtue that went out of the Savior to this woman was his own omnipotence, his own power. The virtue that will go out tonight to you and I will be all from God. My friends, Our Savior didn't ask who touched me because he needed to learn who had done this. But because we need to learn the necessity of confessing Christ before mankind. The Bible says with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And the woman came and told the Savior publicly all the truth. And in an instant, her body regained control. She granted, was granted a new identity. Her self-image was reset. She now had a certain future. She regained her place in society. She is restored to wholeness, and she discovers hope in Jesus. In an instant, Jesus heals her sickness, eases her suffering, grants her freedom, and saves her soul. The worship team is going to come and sing, this I believe. And I want us to be mindful of this first of all tonight. Are you willing to touch Jesus? See, this is the record. These are the facts. It's a matter of history. That is the miracle. Jesus heals a woman who had this bleeding problem for 12 long years. Some of us have been suffering for many years, but this was her appointed time. I don't know if tonight is your appointed time. God knows that. The thing I do know, unless we present ourselves, unless we are willing to reach out and touch Jesus, we cannot get deliverance, we cannot get healing, we cannot get redemption, unless we are willing to touch Jesus. I believe there may be another miracle Looking right here tonight Let us stand And as they are getting ready Let me ask you, are you willing to touch Jesus? Are you willing to allow God's grace to come and flow upon your life in a mighty way tonight? Yes, we will have a time of anointing for with oil in obedience to offering the prayer feet but I still believe, like this woman demonstrated, we have to come first and confess Christ. And if there's anyone here tonight whose heart is not right with God, who is not in the place where they should be spiritually, no matter who you are, or how long you've been in the church, who will admit, yes, I have allowed other things to cloud my faith. You need to understand that this could be the time where you need to come to God in full surrender. So let us come as we come and prepare our hearts and lives tonight. As God's Spirit draws us. As we come to that place and say, I believe. I believe who you are. And I need that touch tonight. I want to touch you, Lord. I want to touch Jesus. I want to touch Jesus. If that's your desire, you come. Because now is the time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. This is the time with God. This is God's time here tonight. No matter who you are, teens, young people, young adults, couples, maybe in your home, in your marriage, you need to touch Jesus. In your lives, you need to touch Jesus. This is the time to seek the Lord. The time to come into His presence. The time to say, yes, Lord, yes. Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus. Let's keep coming. There's room at the cross here tonight. This is God's time. Let your glory come down, Lord. Let your glory fall. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to pray together. And I want everyone to touch someone next to them. Make sure you're touching someone. We want to create that chain here tonight. We want to create that chain of faith as we pray. Whatever your heart's desire as you walk this aisles, and as you walk down here tonight, Jesus knows it. He knows it. He knows you, my friends. Even for those who may have not walked forward but need that touch, who need to touch Jesus. He knows it. Wherever you are in this building tonight, this is resurrection time. This is God's time. And by faith, as we join hands, as we reach out and touch each one, we are believing God tonight. As we pray, Father God, we thank you tonight for your presence. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you, O God, that we have understood tonight in your word that you are the one who has all authority, all power, all honor, all glory tonight. We say, Satan, you are a liar. You are defeated. And in the name of Jesus, we are receiving what is ours. We are receiving God's favor, God's blessing God's deliverance. And Father, tonight, for anyone here, oh God, who needed to touch you for salvation, we pray in the name of Jesus that they will understand as the Bible tells us, that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Father God, I know God, it's a simple prayer of faith to believe that, Lord, if I ask you to forgive me, you will. Thank you, Father. Thank you for forgiveness tonight. Father, there are those who have come tonight because they are seeking more. They, They need a recommitment in their lives. They need to get back on fire for you. They need to put you first to seek first the kingdom of God. Father God, we pray right now that you indeed fill us with your sanctifying power, Lord. That you will indeed go through this complete auditorium and cleanse every heart from sin, oh God. That you will indeed give us that faith fuel, oh Father, that we will glorify you. Father, there are lives that are being mended here tonight. Relationships that are being mended. There are those who need Oh God their marriages to be restored their lives to be restored father we pray for humility and surrender we pray God that you will do a mighty work oh God in homes here tonight father there are those who are praying for loved ones who are not saved we pray God that you indeed will allow them to touch you touch you oh God so father we thank you tonight We thank you, Lord Jesus. And then, Father God, as we enter into this time of offering the prayer of faith tonight, we know tonight is someone's night. Tonight is someone's night like that woman. Tonight is the hour, the moment to receive Jesus because he's passing by. Father, we pray that you will do what you will. Be glorified. Be glorified, Jesus. Have thine way, Lord have thine way hallelujah thank you jesus hallelujah thank you for your amazing grace thank you for your grace that is greater than all our sins lord oh god it was grace that fueled this woman so let your grace fuel us right now thank you jesus hallelujah hallelujah